All right, good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, let me pray for us before we begin. Um, God, I just ask for your uh, presence here. Um, I ask for your spirit to speak. Um, I pray that the message that, um, that we hear um, is not the message that they hear from my voice, but from your voice. And um, I pray that the movement uh, that goes, that stirs our hearts, that stirs all of our hearts, would be by your spirit. Pray that the transformation uh, will come from your word. Pray that this is, wouldn't be just uh, something that's motivational, um, but rather uh, it would cause us, um, cause us to be changed, cause us to, to love you more and more. And so, God, I pray that your word would speak loudly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I remember um, the first time I lost someone really close to me. Uh, that was my grandfather, and I think I was probably in first grade when that happened. And I remember when, I, when we heard about it, um, I was like crying and bawling on the floor, and I was like, I don't want to go to school the next day. I mean, I, I was just so sad to hear about the passing of my grandfather. Um, and thankfully, though, um, and, you know, that was, that was in first grade, but thankfully, um, it wasn't until recently I started to uh, have more and more people in my life pass away. I mean, death has become more of a reality in the past year than it has the first 35 years of my life. Um, I was never really impacted at all by death. I mean, even as I'm preparing for this message, I, I had a friend who told me that their, their mom is ha- has cancer and that, that she's going to go on chemo just to prolong her life. Like, the deaths, like all of these deaths recently, they're, they're sad, uh, they hurt, uh, they're depressing. Um, but, but all of that, right, the sadness and, and, and hurt and pain and, and sorrow, none of that, though, is without hope. And, and all, the, all, the, the, all, of the, all of my friends who have passed away and all the people I knew who had passed, and, and they all knew Christ. So there was this hope that is there. And, and that is what Paul wants to, is, is trying to address uh, in our passage today, uh, that, that, that those who pass away have a hope. Uh, and the Thessalonians, and, and if you see from this passage, the Thessalonians, they were, they were worried about some of their fellow Christians who had recently passed away. They, they had been taught, and they knew that Christ was coming back. And so even in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 2, you see that, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So Paul, he told them, he, he taught the Thessalonians that, that Jesus was coming back. Uh, but Paul, Paul, his teaching, it was cut short uh, and he was, when he was forced to leave town. So the Thessalonians, they didn't have a full understanding of what was going to happen to believers who had already passed away. The Thessalonians and, and Paul's readers, they believed that those who had passed would be missing out on this day of the Lord. And so they started grieving. They started grieving without hope, thinking, hey, you know, these believers that passed would miss out. So Paul's message, what was Paul's message to them? What he was wanting to get to them, he would say, do not grieve without hope. Paul is telling his readers that they have hope to hold on to. You can grieve, but don't grieve without hope. He wants his readers to be encouraged. So if you see in this passage, uh, the first the first verse in you know, chapter 4, verse 13, he kind of talks about the situation. And he talks about how he doesn't want them to grieve without hope. And at the end of this passage, um, 1 Thessalonians, verse 
verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Therefore, encourage one another. And his goal uh, from this passage and what he's wanting to, wanting to know is he wants them to be encouraged. And so my question to you guys is what does Paul want them to be encouraged by? And what exactly about hope should we etern- internalize? And so that's where we get the three things that we're going to, uh, the three things in, our, in your outline, that's where we're going today. You know, what do we need to internalize about hope? And our hope in death was secured in the past. Our hope in death looks forward to a future reunion. And our hope in death offers encouragement for today. So the first thing we're going to look at is our hope in death was secured in the past. So the first thing we see here, Paul tells his readers not to grieve. And then he says the word for. Right? He says, don't grieve as those without hope for. And he gives reasons to not grieve without hope. His first reason here is that Jesus died and rose again. You see that in verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Paul connects what, what, what will happen in the future, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He, connect, he connects what happens in the future to what has already happened in the past. And Paul uses this phrase, even so, in the Greek. And even so, if you look at it, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so. And so, and this word can also be translated in this way. And, and he does, you know, this, this, uh, this phrase, even so or so, is, is the same thing that happens in John 3.16. I think I've talked about this before. It says, for God so loved the world. Uh, the word so in this is the same word. Uh, in, in this way, you know, he's referring back to what has happened in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 15. So you take two examples and you compare them with each other. In John, you know, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness for everyone to look at, Jesus must be lifted up for everyone to look at. So here in this First Thessalonians, because Jesus died and rose again in this way, in the same way, those who have died will be raised again and be brought along with Christ. So what God did through Jesus on the cross in an empty grave is a picture of what will happen in the future. It all starts with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Without this, you have no hope. Without the resurrection, you have no hope. You know, the other day I was at Costco, and uh, when we were exiting, you know, you had to get that person to receipt. And this time, actually, the person, she actually counted all of our items. I saw her go, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Like, and, and that was actually the first time that I seen them do that. You know, usually you just kind of give them this, they look at, look at, look at your cart, and they kind of like do that little, they do, you know, they, they just put, put a little mark on your receipt, right? Well, you know, but you have to have the receipt. If you have the receipt, you can leave. With no receipt, you aren't leaving. You know, I remember one time I, I, I left the receipt at the checkout counter, and so I panicked, and I, I needed to show them this receipt or else I wasn't going to leave. I mean, really, in my mind, I was like, just, just let me leave. These, these things are mine. Um, I purchased them. You know, let me just wave a random piece of paper, and, and you pretend like you care, and just let me go. But that's kind of what's happening here when, it ha- when, G- when Paul talks about Jesus dying and ri- raising from the dead. 
He paid for us with his death and his resurrection is is this receipt. Basically, in his death and resurrection, he goes and Jesus declares, this Christian is mine. I raised her up. She is my possession. He is my possession. All believers are my possessions. All believers will experience the fullness of the benefits of my resurrection. So just as Christ was raised, you will be raised. Our hope must be founded and grounded in the past of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. So now in this passage, it's clear that people, they were worried about those who had already died and passed away, but they were also worried about themselves. Some other background information say that there were false teachers among them, and they were telling them that they missed the day already. They missed the coming of the Lord, and that, and that the persecution that they were going through uh, was part of the judgment, and they missed, the, they missed Jesus coming back. Or even some of the believers, they, they thought, you know what, what if I die before Jesus comes back? So does that mean if I die before Jesus comes back, then I'm going to miss out on this day as well? You know, for us, we doubt our salvation a lot sometimes. You know, sometimes we think that we're not saved. We, we let what we feel or we let maybe our failures dominate our beliefs. And we doubt. And, and I'm not saying it, it, it's not okay to doubt and I think we all go through doubt no matter even no matter how long we've been in, on this journey with Christ. We all doubt. But, but, but what I believe is that we doubt because we forget. We, we, we let sin do the talking. We let false teachers do the talking. We let our feelings do the talking. We let, uh, just, we let other things tell us about our salvation. You know, we have a, couple, a few of a couple friends who live in Hawaii. Uh, now, this might be a, lot, a little shocking, but these couples, they tell us that they haven't gone to the beach in months. Like, it, it, like you know, for us, for us, you know, we here, we have Galveston's there. It's been, probably been years since I've been to Galveston, but that's Galveston, right? Like, but this is the beaches in Hawaii, um, like from our friend's place, you can see the water. They're not next to the water, but you can see the water. But yet they don't really go to the beach at all. Um, but the beauty of the beach is right there. Like it would take probably 15 minutes to drive there. They can just relax there. They can relax on the beach and just enjoy it. But for them, life gets in the way. For them, the struggles of life or you know, other things and the busyness of life, it all gets in the way. In the beach, it gets old. Um, maybe they get, you know, they have gotten used to it, and so they don't go. And, and sometimes we lose sight of the gospel in the same way. Sometimes the beauty of the gospel and the, the truth of the gospel, we forget that. We lose sight of that, and we often forget the beauty of the gospel. And when we go on with our lives and we get bogged down by hard circumstances and we forget that Jesus declares, you are mine. We forget that Jesus declares that I was raised from the dead so that you have life now. You belong to me. And maybe some of us need to hear that today, that you belong to Christ. If you are in Christ, you belong with him because of what he has done already. So let's not forget what Jesus has already won for us. So as we look back at what Christ has done, 
Paul then, he also points us to gaze at the future, which brings us to the second point. Um, Our hope and death looks forward to a future reunion. And so Paul, what he describes here and as what we'll read in a second, it isn't just a vague picture of what might happen. It isn't just a guess of maybe this will happen, maybe that will happen. But he gives the Thessalonians a pretty good picture of what will happen when Jesus comes back. And there's a lot of details in that, right? And, and, and this was something that he was certain of. And when, when he says this, he says, by the word of the Lord, he wanted his readers to know that, they, this is, this what, that what will happen in the future is certain. So it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you, you and I are. It doesn't matter maybe how talented you are. It doesn't matter when it, you know, when it comes to the future, we're all on the same level. We're all on the same boat, Because no one knows what will happen except God. So Paul's argument, he ground, it's not grounded in speculation, but in Christ himself. So we pick it up in um, chapter 4, verse 15 to see what happens. Chapter 4, verse 15, if you read along, it says this, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with a voice of an archangel, with a sound of trumpet of God. And the dead will rise, in, well, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. He encourages, Paul encourages his readers by letting them know that the opposite of what they thought was going to happen, (coughs) that the opposite of what they thought was going to happen is going to happen. And so the Thessalonians, they thought those who had passed away were going to be at a disadvantage. But instead, those who had passed away were going to have the advantage in this. And he says, those who have passed will will come first, and then those who who are left on earth will then join Christ and believers who have fallen asleep. So there will be this glorious reunion with everyone. No one who is in Christ will be forgotten and left out. No one. All who are in Christ will be there, will be at this reunion. And so, so I know many of us, we know that Mike Holberg passed away last week. And how fitting is this passage um, encouraging to know that that one day we're going to see Mike again and we're going to be reunited with him. But I wanted to share something specific that he once said when when I was in East Asia with him. Him, uh, Mike, and Jenny, they were my leaders on on our East Asia trip. And I thought it was so cool when he said this. In East Asia, he was like, wouldn't it be cool if that when we got to heaven, there was some sort of like maybe a radar or people would just kind of light up, like all the people you've come across um, in, in your life, and they would just kind of light up and you would see them. Like we, we were talking about this because we were talking, you know, every day we would go down to the 7-Eleven or maybe it was the, the um, just the kind of the the grocery store or something. And there was, you know, we would always be talking to the, the person checking us out. And, you know, we would always go in and buy ice cream and you know, and Mike goes, you know, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be cool if the convenience store lady, like she was there in heaven? You know, all the, all the times that we try to, to, to preach the gospel to her, to share the gospel with her, to, to be kind to her, you know, wouldn't it be cool if she was there? Wouldn't it be cool if one day she was in heaven, you know, if, you know, if she had passed and she knew Christ? That would be awesome if, if Mike was able to see her when he had passed last week. 
And what's really amazing here in this passage is what Paul says. Paul says, uh, what Paul describes here, it isn't just for our loved ones. It isn't just for those, those loved ones who have passed away, even though that's what Thessalonians were grieving about. But Paul says here, in the dead in Christ, all who are in Christ. This means all the seeds you've planted in your life back in high school or maybe in college, and maybe you never got to see the fruit of those people. You know, if Christ has saved them, you're going to be reunited with them. You know, they will join with Christ at this event described here. And so Paul wants to encourage the church, whether it be before Jesus comes back or when the day happens, you will get to see them. But I can't help but to grieve for those who don't know Christ and those who die without knowing, not without knowing Christ will be lost. And if I may say something quick, um, you know, something that Paul doesn't really talk about here specifically, but I think this passage, uh, it, 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 a passage like this should spring us into action uh, for the loss that we know. You know, we are able to grieve with hope for everyone who has passed. Uh, and we know, we are able to grieve with hope, but not for everyone who has passed. And there will be people who we won't get to see in this reunion. There will be people who we won't get to see when the Lord comes back. There will be people who there will be no reunion for. There are so many out there who are living with no hope. So we know hope. We have the gospel. We must go into the darkness with the gospel and with this hope. So let's do what we can today for those who have no hope. Christ has not come back yet. But yet, so there is still time for us to invite others into this reunion. We have work to do today. So this brings us to our last point. Our hope in death offers encouragement for today. The last line in this passage, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with what you see here. Encourage with one another with what I have just told you. Encourage one another with the hope that, I, I, that, that you hear. Encourage one another with the idea that Jesus has died and rose again. Encourage one another with the past and with the future for today. And that then the idea that what we have, uh, the, the idea is that whatever's been said, whatever has been, you know, whatever's been said about the past and whatever's said about the future is to ground us for our hope and encouragement today. So I'd like to offer three ways that we can be, uh, be what we can be encouraged by today. And it comes from the text itself. So the first thing we see here is that we encourage one another. So, we, so to be encouraged today, we have to encourage one another. We, it's done in community. Paul calls them to be there for one another. We remind each other. We encourage one another with these words. Tell them what they need to hear. Tell them what they need to hear when they're hurting. Or maybe at first just sit with people when they're grieving at first. But then remind them of truths. Truths that may heal the heart. Truths that may uh, heal and, and cover up wounds. Grieve with each other. Tell each other uh, the other gospel truths that speak and ministers to our souls. Carry each other's burdens. You know, as Jace, Pastor Jason said last week, we're family. And so let's be the family that encourages one another. 
So Paul makes it clear, encouragement is done in community. And that's the first thing we see here, how we may encourage one, how, may, how, may, how we may be encouraged today. The second thing is we must be informed. Let's hold on to the right theology and hold on to truth. From the very beginning of this passage, Paul, he calls the people uninformed. He needed to correct their understanding. He needed to correct their thinking uh, because they were losing hope because of what they thought, because of what they knew. So Paul believes that what they knew um, and what he had just told them, uh, you know, sorry, uh, Paul knew that he believed that what he had just told them would restore the hope um, and that they would be encouraged. And I, I still remember the night that my dad had died. I had to just keep listening to the song, It Is Not Death to Die. And I, I'll share with you a few words uh, from this song. Um, but I remember driving home and just, just, I had to listen to these words. It says, the lyrics in the song says, It is not death to die to leave this weary road and join the saints who dwell on high, who found their home with God. It is not death to close the eyes long dimmed by tears and wake in joy before your throne. Deliver from our fears those who trust in you. So the words, they were ministering to my heart at, at that moment. I had to hold on to truths in those moments. And, you know, there was full of pain and full of sorrow. But yet in those moments, I had to hold on to the truth that I would see my dad again. It wasn't, it wasn't just, okay, my dad, that was it, and then I would never see him again. But I had to hold on to truth. I had nothing else to hold on to except for Jesus saving my dad. It hurt, but I was grieving with hope. And then the last thing we see here, we hold on to Christ. We hold on to Christ. Chapter 4, verse 17, at the end of this passage Paul says, and so we will always be with the Lord. So he tells them of the future events. He tells them what's going to happen. And he adds his line at the end. He says, we will always be with the Lord. In the end, Christ will be all we need and desire. In the, in the end, we will spend eternity singing the song of salvation. Christ will never become dull. Worship will never become boring. Christ will never, ever disappoint. And our cup, it will always be overflowing. Christ will be all we need and desire. And if this is true for, and if this is, if this is true for the future, and this is even true for today, Christ is all we need and the desire and for all of eternity. You know, every morning, every morning uh, we, we feed Astrid, and after she eats, we, we, we lay her down, and we lay her down on a pillow, and we just kind of hang out. And then, you know, what, what I usually do is, or what we usually do is we, we have a little stuffed animal, a little stuffed hippo, and, we, we, and then I, I kind of put it over her, and she kind of grabs it, and she kind of licks it, you know, and tries to eat it. And then after maybe a minute or two, she just kind of throws it to the side. And so when she does that, what I do, I, I grab another one. I grab her stuffed little llama. It's a little, like, little squishmallow this big, and I give it to her. She does the same thing. I put it over her face, and she kind of grabs it. She kind of pretends to eat it or licks it and slobbers all over it for a minute or so or two. And then what does she do? She throws it aside. But then after that, 
what I do is I love this part. So instead of sticking another animal, stuffed animal in her face, I stick my face, my head in front of hers. And so she then, she takes her hands and, 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 and holds me by my cheeks and she kind of coos and whatnot. And then what she does, she throws me aside. No, she doesn't. But, uh, but she, what I, what, what, but I, I'd like to think that she loves me. I mean, she, she, she loves to hang out with me. You know, it was like she likes me, and in my mind, I was like, she likes me, and she doesn't like her toys, right? And she loves hanging out with me, and then, you know, she loves to hold my face, and, you know, all, all, up, all up until mom comes in. But, you know, but for me, I'm like, she loves me. You know, she, she, she likes to hang out with me. She doesn't just like me for my gifts, right? She likes me. It, it was one of those, like, you know, like, love the gift, love the gift giver and not the gift, so I'm the one that she likes to, to hang out with. Mom is the one that she likes to hang out with and likes to spend time with. So in the same way, Astrid delights to hang out with me. Our souls kind of longs to be with Christ. It is not the things of the world that we like. It is not the things that Christ gives us that we like, but it is Christ himself. All that Christ gives us points us to him. We will be spending an eternity with Christ. He is the delight of our souls. Christ is all that we need and desire today and for all of eternity. He is the one that fills our hearts in grief. He is the one that brings peace in turmoil. He is the one who brings hope when all seems lost. Christ is the one our hearts longs to love and not the toys that, that, that he gives us and we just kind of throw aside. So we have all that we need in Christ. And when it comes to death, whether that be death of a loved one's or even our own death, the only place that you and I can go to for hope, for any kind of hope, is in Christ, in Christ only. In Christ is the hope of the world. And in Christ will be the peace in our sorrows. And in Christ, we will find joy in our grieving. Well, let's pray. And God, I just want to pray for, um, I want to pray for those in here uh, who might be grieving. Uh, I want to pray for those who have lost loved ones, whether recently or even a long time ago. I pray that you would restore their joy, restore the hope in their souls, restore their hope in their hearts. Would you help us to see just the hope that we have in you? And I pray that the hope that we have in you would spur us on uh, to, to go out and, and help those and, and to preach the gospel to those who don't, who don't know you. And so, God, I pray that we will fix our eyes on this, uh, that we will fix our eyes on this reunion later. And then that, we would, that we would hope that, that, that so many would join us. And we look forward to the day that, that we'd be able to see our families and our loved ones and others who we have shared Christ with. I pray that we would look forward to that day where we can all stand before you and worship you and give you the praise and honor and glory that you deserve because you are a good God, you are a loving God, you are a kind God. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for the hope we have in life. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.